0: This is On The Story. I'm Newstown ABC's Trishna Begum. Every night, I get to tell people's stories, but there's always more. I wish I could fit into every piece. That's where this podcast comes in. Each week, we'll dive into a topic with the newsmakers, experts, and the people who can tell the story the best. Hi, friends. It's me again. Episode 10. This is a heavy one, and exactly the reason I started this podcast. I did a special report last week about a young woman who's battling breast cancer. Her name is Macy Maddock, and she opened up a lot about getting her diagnosis, her emotional journey, and what she wants other young women to know. She had a lot to say, as you can imagine. We spoke for about half an hour during the interview, and I couldn't possibly fit it into a three minute TV news story. So I'm sharing her full interview here. And later on, you'll also hear from her oncologist, Dr. Ann Partridge, about her diagnosis, what's in store for her, and her advice as well for young women. But first, here's Macy Maddock. Uh,
1: my first name's Macy, last name, Maddock. How old are you? I'm 27. Um, and then I was diagnosed though when I was 26. 26. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What did the doctor say about that? Um, well, at first, they didn't think it was going to be cancer at all with my age, um, with my family history, you know, never thought it would happen to me, especially at that age. So, 26, my original doctor. He at least listened to me and did call the oncologists and and the surgeon and everything after our first appointment but they were all very sure that it was going to be a fibronoma which is benign what exactly were you diagnosed with uh so i was first diagnosed with ids which is infiltrating duct carcinoma then we went to the surgeon Um, because they were just going to do a lumpectomy. Since it was just one small lump, it was in the lower part of my breast. And the surgeon actually found a second tumor. Um, That biopsy result came back as triple negative breast cancer. Um, Which, if you read it, that's definitely one to be scared away on the internet from um they say is the most lethal type of breast cancer how aggressive was your form of cancer uh, so there's a nottingham scale that um, determines like zero not as aggressive and nine being the most aggressive and mine was a nine um because of triple negative it can grow very rapidly um so early detection truly is key with it and yeah so even the doctor said like thankfully i felt it at that time um and didn't just walk away and sleep on it because three months from then it could have been everywhere um, because that's how fast they can truly grow. That's scary. So scary. During all that conversation you know you're pretty much in a daze because you're still just hearing the words I have cancer like through your head. We were completely shocked by it. Um, Like I said the first day that I felt the lump my first phone call was to my mom she's great you know she's able to like walk me off that ledge and tell me like it's going to be okay you know like but this is what we have to do now you know call the doctors then even when my doctor like after all of our results all of the test results came in um the way that he told me so how i found out that i actually had cancer uh i'm a special education preschool teacher out in idaho and I, it was the end of the day and I'm walking back in from dropping the kids off and he's standing in my classroom. Uh, and right when I saw him, my heart sank, you know, because I'm like, you don't make house calls if it's good, <laughs> I guess. So yeah, it was a huge pill to swallow. Did they say how extensive and
0: how bad it might be?
1: Um, they're pretty nonchalant about it, you know? like. He was honest, but then it took our own discovery of like researching to know really what we're dealing with. And that's kind of how then I ended up at Dana-Farber, the closest oncologist that's in Idaho, which mind you is an hour and like 30 minutes from where I was living. And those were our options. There weren't many out there. And once we learned about the triple negative, that's kind of when my mom fortunately is an ICU nurse and has connections and knowledge of like who does what um, in the medical field. So we found Dana-Farber like Mm -hmm. through that. And through that, we also discovered that Dana-Farber actually has a young adult program that's there that my oncologist now was actually the director of it. Everything was falling into place kind of thing. Um, I did have my first chemo out there uh, just because they wanted to get the ball rolling. Um, I also did IVF treatment out there Yeah. Yep. and then we had our first talk with, da- with uh, Dr. Partridge actually on our road trip home mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of we weren't even sure if they were going to be able to take us on or if there was appointments or anything but she did because of uh, the aggressiveness of my tumor um, and my age and the fact that I don't have genetic history this breast cancer
0: diagnosis before you actually knew what it was. Mm-hmm. what was it an instinct inside of you? like what gave you that extra motivation to say I, I I think I want to talk to a specialist and I want to get this checked out.
1: Um, it was in my gut, you know, like I when I first felt that lump, I instantly started crying. like I knew even get a little teary-eyed thinking about it because because, yeah, it's like we know our bodies, we know um we know when something's wrong and it, it didn't feel right. Um, so we saw, I saw the general practitioner, um, and then I didn't have to do it alone. My mom, um, flew out two days later <laughs> after I found out, um, that it was cancer. Cause that's pretty much when the ball kept going, mm-hmm. uh, because so I did go see, uh, the biopsy doctor um, and the ultrasound doctor and everything. And even on their paper, Uh, that they wrote after the report, they said this will 100% be a fibronoma. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, Like even while he was in there checking it out, he's like, oh, this has all signs of fibronoma. Like there's nothing to worry about. They were that sure. They were that sure. Or they're very good at tape, like their bedside manner. I don't know. (laughs) Like about making you relax. But Uh I'm the type of person where I need to know. Like I need to know the blunt truth about what we're dealing with. Because of that, like even though the paperwork said, like fibronoma, I still wanted a biopsy. We need answers. We can't just let it sit there and end up being something worse than it was. And after my experience, I've read so many stories of that happening. Um, So we went to the surgeon and he was just doing a self breast exam to know what he was working with, like to remove the lump. and during his self-check he found the second tumor um, which was bigger deeper and even i couldn't really feel it it was a lot flatter than the one i could feel because the one i felt was like a grape you know i could feel it um and so right then everything changed
0: (laughs) all of this is happening Mm -hmm. what what is going through your head in terms of how young you are and the seriousness of all of this
1: my future you know like that was very hard but like being told you have cancer when you're so young and a cancer that um as aggressive as triple negative to where they even say within the first five years is very crucial because if it comes back within the first five years it's typically lethal it's it's going to become stage four um which is not curable Mm -hmm. and That's terrifying. So fear. um, Disappointment as well, you know, um, even though I found it, it wasn't like a simple self breast exam that I was doing. Um, I was fortunate to have found it um, and uh, be aware of the fact that I know my body enough that I knew that that was different and not there before. but my whole life just got turned upside down. I knew I was not gonna be able to work. Um, I knew I was going to have something happen to my chest that I couldn't have a say in really. Um, And then when we decided to move to New York, like I really did lose the life that I've been building for the last four years. Um, And that's been so hard. Um, but fortunately, I came back home, you know, uh-uh, to where I have my incredible family, uh, the incredible support, um, people that I don't, didn't even know, you know, reached out and have supported me. And then my family have all stepped up, you know, have been with me every step of the way. And it just has opened my eyes a lot, too, about life, um, about what I want in life about what I might not have in life Um, like when it comes to infertility like that can really happen to where fortunate for science uh, the fact that you can freeze your eggs and then use them years from now is incredible. The story behind that my original oncologist in Idaho uh, didn't want me to do that he even with my age he was like maybe that's in God's plan to do it differently and I didn't really enjoy like that answer like I want it to be in my control like I don't want it to possibly not be an option years from now if I'm here and that if that's wanted mm-hmm. so I actually did push back my chemo my chemo was originally meant to start in the beginning of November uh, and I was I wanted to do IVF So I was able to do IVF, uh, which everything, again, fell out perfectly. What's your treatment been like? What has that been like? Oh, that's been a story. Um, So everyone is different when it comes to chemo. For triple negative, they typically do what's called ACT, um, and that's two different types of chemo. Went well during, you know, everything was fine. We traveled from New York to Idaho. We got here. Um, two nights later, well actually right when we got here, I had a huge rash all over my body. Um, and I have very fair skin. Like I don't typically have zits or anything like that. And I, so this rash like blew my mind away. So it was a rash that covered my whole chest. Was it a reaction to the medicine? Yes. Yep. And wasn't expecting it though, especially it was two weeks after Mm -hmm. we had the first dose. So I thought I was kind of in the clear. Um, that evening I fell to like 102 fever, uh, to where luckily my oncologist at Dana-Farber is amazing. We like called her at like one in the morning and like three in the morning, uh, to know what to do. And they said, bring her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Like she needs to go to the hospital. We went there, um, ran tests and everything. Nothing was really working. Fluids did help. Um, so that was good. And then we went back home. And then we went to try to have chemo. This was uh, the day before Thanksgiving at Dana-Farber. So the first chemo was gonna happen before Thanksgiving. And I was too sick. Like I still had a fever. Still had the rash all over my body. My legs were purple at one point. Like it was such a weird experience. Um, And that was definitely from like the immunotherapy just because it kills the good cells too so i couldn't have that first treatment but i was admitted to the hospital anyway because they were worried about the fact that it's been four days and i still have a fever to where then they thought i actually had covid because not only do you have cancer right now there's covid happening in our world that you have to deal with and so they tested me for covid so you didn't have it didn't have it however they still treated me as a I did. Gotcha. So I was isolated in a room for, uh, three days. Um, just like all the other COVID patients, you know, nurses come in all gowned up, can't have any visitors, nothing like that. And that was awful, you know, like Thanksgiving all alone. Um, also during that time, my hair started falling out and I was all alone. Um, and then Luckily I was able to come home because even the um, infectious disease doctor um, will forever remember him because he's like, I don't really know what's wrong with you. (laughs) And so they sent me home. Luckily I got better with the fluids and everything. The first two were awful (laughs) um, experiences. They switched me to um, this chemo called Abraxane that went great went so well um very short treatments too they're only like 30 Mm. minutes to an hour did lose all my hair throughout it how'd you feel about that it was hard um i did take the jump and shaved it before it fully came out and um, made a beautiful wig out of it so i still have it um my sister (laughs) as the one that uh, found that and was able to do that for me and it's beautiful got like first, you know, very empowering, um, like taking something that cancer was going to take for me, but I took it first. Um, however, then in the moment, you know it was devastating. <laughs> um, like I even remember like the first thing I did was just feel the back of my head like after she shaved it and instant tears. <laughs> um, and I loved my hair. I did. <laughs> I do. Um, and I'm very excited for it to come back. Um, but we identify so much with our hair, you know, um, especially now with masks. (laughs) Um, it's, it's our crown on our head, as they say. And, and I was very passionate about it. You know, I did it. I took very well care of it. Like I was using during that time, I was using all vegan products. Like I Mm -hmm. was doing so well with focusing on just my hair and everything and then I had to lose it all. Um, so it was very hard. However, I have a very large family that (laughs) also shaved all of their hair, (laughs) even, um, like all the men in my family shaved their heads that day. Um, and then my two nieces also shaved their hair that day. Wow. Yeah. And it was just a beautiful, um, moment that you know I thought was gonna be super sad but my family made it incredible because um, like even from the beginning we've said we don't fight alone
0: hair or no hair you're a beautiful person thank you you have been so open about I mean everything that you've been describing what got you to be so open and tell people this story
1: It took a little while Um, I sat on it uh, for once I was first diagnosed to decide how I was going to go about it Uh, but then I just knew this information needed to be known Uh, and that was about being young with breast cancer and about advocating for yourself because uh, once I was hidden about it like not telling anybody I did a lot of research about all these other women that have been diagnosed, that have been turned away from doctors and then end up being stage four. And so I knew that even in my personal community of people that I know, like like my friends, like um, not, none of them have had this ever happen, fortunately to them, but I wanted to be that person that maybe they could come to one day. And so I felt, I felt the need to share my story. I felt it. Um, and I think I said, like, it's not for sympathy. It's for awareness. Like I want people to be aware that breast cancer doesn't just happen in your fifties after menopause. Um, it's happening to women in their twenties. My general surgeon, I asked him the question, how did, how did I get breast cancer if I don't have the gene? And he said, because you have breasts. And so i like, so that's all females. And yet we're still not even on our radar about if we can get breast cancer until we're older. Mm -hmm. And so many women that I've talked to throughout this journey feel the same, that they weren't aware, they weren't um, knowledgeable about that this could happen. They didn't know how to detect it themselves. So I wanted to become that voice for, even if it was just for, my group of people, um, of family and friends uh, that they know to be aware. And right after I did share that story, I've had people reach out to me that said they were going to their gynecologist and getting checked out and making it more of a routine in their yearly medical visits. In terms of treatment, what's next for you? So what's next um, is a big daunting surgery. Fortunately, uh, I had, like I said, I have a great support system, and one person that has been also along since the very beginning is um, my boyfriend, Connor. Um, I think I mentioned in the beginning, he was at helicopter school, mm-hmm. um, but he left and actually moved here with me and has been here throughout this whole journey. Um, and he's been a huge part, especially in for the surgery. You know, it's going to be a huge change on my body. Um, I hope only a little change or for a while change on my mental and emotional state, um, because it's gonna be hard. Um, I'll be having a double mastectomy, um, non-nipple sparing surgery, uh, which I joke, but (laughs) it's silly, but I'm like, it's gonna be like a real life Barbie. Um, So I'm like, is it my dreams coming true or what? You gotta have humor. <laughs> yeah, and you have to have humor throughout all of this, um, and that's what Connor does too. He's very—he makes me laugh even on those days when I don't want to. So I'm blessed that he came out here, and and he keeps me confident. You know, um, prior to all this, I was a very confident person. Um, you know, no, didn't compare myself to others. Like, was very confident in myself and the way I am and happy with the way I am. And then, um, once you start to lose those external things that, you know, you see in the mirror every day makes it harder, you know, but I think it's a beautiful journey as well because, um, it's made me see what like internally is beautiful. You know, you have to kind of face it when there's nothing blocking it in a way. Um, and so I'm, I'm it's, it's a weird feeling, but I'm like excited for it to happen, the surgery, because A, it will get hopefully all the cancers gone, right? That's the main goal. Yeah. Um, and then B, is that it will be a process of loving myself again, mm. um, and that will be hard. The,
0: you had mentioned when you get confronted with the cancer diagnosis, you start realizing what you truly want out of life. So what do you want out of life
1: now? I know prior to cancer, I was one of those people, and I would say naive to where it's like, you will just do it tomorrow, you know, like no big deal. Like, oh, I wanted to do this today, but I'm just, I'll hold off and I'll do it tomorrow because there is a tomorrow. Um, but once cancer slaps you in the face, you realize like you want to live for today and that's my plan for the future, um, especially I do plan to go back out to Idaho and to do all the things I've been just for some reason holding off on. Um, and that includes um, I just did start up like a preschool, a special ed preschool right before I was diagnosed and then wasn't able to really get it started because I moved back home. So that's one mm-hmm. to go on so many hikes out there and see the beauty of the world that's all around us um, and not take any day for granted, you know, and, and then follow my dreams and then try to live without fear. Like there's still fear, obviously, but, um, and I say this, but it's morbid, but sometimes I do feel like I already have a toe in the grave. So I'm like, let's just live it (laughs) Um, to where prior to all this, I did do skydiving, um, 24 times. Um, oh, and yeah. one <laughs> week it was very spontaneous oh and a, crazy, but the thrill of my life. And I can't wait to get back into that because talk about living like, and feeling free and, and I'm just on top of the world. And I want to feel that feeling again, uh, because right now, or, not every day, but mo- sometimes I do feel at the bottom of the world um, just with this with cancer. So uh, still I'll take it one day at a time, but definitely like live for today, you know, make those plans and
0: and do it. And I'm wishing Macy all the very best with her upcoming surgery. Now we get to hear from Dr. Ann Partridge. She's a breast medical oncologist at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. She runs the program for young women with breast cancer, and she's also a professor of medicine at Harvard. Nice to meet you.
2: I'm glad you're covering
0: this. Yes, I'm glad you're a part of the story. Yesterday was what, um, chemo for her, right?
2: Yeah. Yesterday was the end of of her chemo, which is good. We're happy with how she's doing.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Macy and what her diagnosis was and what what that meant for for somebody her age.
2: Um, So when patients like Macy, and Macy in particular, present to us, uh, they face not only the usual slings and arrows of a breast cancer diagnosis, uh, but they also, as a young woman dealing with it, they tend to have more aggressive disease and they tend to also be facing issues like Macy was of things like, do I have a genetic predisposition to this? Why did I get it so young? What do I do about babies in the future? And then how do I manage all of this in the context of my you know, very young life? You know, and, and we can all talk, think about the things that are unique to or accentuated by being very young at diagnosis dating, new jobs, or starting careers, starting families, um, all kinds of things that weigh in that we have to think about when we're caring for a person like Nacy. And then on top of that, we had the COVID-19 pandemic going on in the middle of it. And the, you know, my heart just goes out to her and her family having to deal with, like the rest of us, the pandemic issues. And on top of that, a pretty scary diagnosis and treatment.
0: What what exactly was that diagnosis and how aggressive was it?
2: So Macy's diagnosis was breast cancer in one breast that we describe as triple negative, which is that it doesn't express hormone receptors. And there are two that we specifically look at. So that's one and two, ER and PR. And it also doesn't express a receptor called HER2. So it's named by its absence of these receptors or triple negative because it's missing these three receptors. And these tumors um, typically are not amenable to some of our more effective therapies like hormonal therapy or anti-HER2 therapy. Those two things won't generally help. But they do seem to get great risk reduction from surgery, radiation, as well as chemotherapy, conventional chemotherapy, and then there are some newer treatments that work very well for women with advanced disease that we're testing for women with earlier disease.
0: How serious was this for Macy and had she caught it early enough?
2: So Macy absolutely came in when she should have, which is great. Uh, she didn't sit around and wait for things to grow on her chest, uh, but it, it's often true that with Macy and other young women, that they tend to have a breast cancer that when it appears it's already big or it's already in the lymph nodes. Uh, And that's because both young women are not typically screened for breast cancer. We don't do mammograms in our youngest patients, you know, population screening. And because the tumors that they get and triple negative breast cancer tends to be like this. So this is what Macy experienced. um, They tend to grow fast. And so it goes from being not present to being very present very quickly.
0: So by the time she caught it, would it be safe to say there was a possibility that it was spreading?
2: That's absolutely true. So by the time Macy came in, uh, it was big enough that we needed to approach it by giving chemotherapy before surgery or what we call preoperative therapy so that we can shrink it down before she would go to surgery so she can get a better surgery.
0: You brought this up. You don't get screened until about what your forties. You start getting mammograms. So when people see this story and they see Macy's age, which she, I believe she was twenty six when she was diagnosed, how much should young women be worrying about breast cancer?
2: So breast cancer is a disease that can and does happen in young women, as you can, you know, obviously know from Macy's experience. But it's not common. And yet young women need to be aware that there's no age that's like too young to get breast cancer. And so I often caution patients, just be aware of your own breast health and know that you know if you feel a lump or a bump that wasn't there before and is changing or associated with skin dimpling or any other symptom, ask your doctor, bring it to their attention. And sometimes they'll do an evaluation right away. Sometimes they'll watch for a little while, but keep following up. And if it's changing at all, then demand attention.
0: And how much should a patient push if they feel like, you know, I want to get this checked out?
2: So most lumps in young women's breasts are not going to be breast cancer, but they can be. And so it's a fine line that both doctors and patients have to walk in order to really not turn women into pin cushions if they're making benign lumps but at the same time you can't know that something's not breast cancer until you evaluate it and so what i typically will tell my young patients is you know if something's going on in your breast and you're concerned about it bring it to the bring it to the attention of your doctor and if your doctor says i'm not worried say tell me why you're not worried you know it's okay to ask questions and say, what tells you for sure that this isn't cancer? And they may say, well, it looks like this and that, and it's unlikely to be. And sometimes you follow up with either close follow-up and exam, or sometimes you'll do an image like an ultrasound in a young patient to get a sense of whether it's cystic or solid. Um, and sometimes you'll even you know, have a biopsy. So I think the important thing for a young woman is to be vigilant and, and follow up closely if they're worried about a lesion.
0: What's Macy's prognosis right now?
2: So Macy's prognosis is excellent right now. Fortunately, she appears to have had a very, very nice response to chemotherapy. We'll know more at surgery, how much disease is still in there, if any, in the breast, because she's going to have a mastectomy. And um, hopefully it'll be all gone. And if there is some in there, hopefully it will only be a little bit. Um, Most young women like Macy will do well after breast cancer. Um, and we've gotten smarter and smarter. Unfortunately, there is still room to improve and, and some young women will hear from their breast cancer again. And so what we do is we see a person after their surgery and we go over, well, what's left and are there other treatments that we can add on even after they've had their early chemotherapy? Um, Because sometimes people need that to further try to reduce their risk.
0: Since we're talking about young women, um, she also had great things to say about the young adult program. What is the program and and how did it have to change a little bit this past year?
2: So at Dana-Farber, we have a program called the Program for Young Women with Breast Cancer or Young and Strong, and it focuses on giving kind of total comprehensive care to our young women who are diagnosed with breast cancer. And what we did when the pandemic hit was we went all virtual essentially in terms of the supportive care aspects. Obviously women who were being diagnosed and treated for breast cancer needed to come into the clinic but some of the other ancillary supports and community supports that we pulled together for this program including genetics and fertility consultations and psychosocial groups to better support the patients all went virtual. And that's actually something we'll probably stick with because it allowed more women to have more access in many ways. So it's a silver lining of the pandemic. Um, The other thing that was true of the pandemic is while breast cancer screening went down for a while, we didn't do as many mammograms because of the need for social distancing and to get the more urgent people in. Young women continue to be diagnosed because their lumps weren't, you know, they're not typically picked up on screening. And so we stayed pretty busy in the young women's program with regard to both treating young women and supporting them through their journeys.
0: Anything else that you would like to mention about Macy's story specifically or any messages to young women out there?
2: I think the big message for young women is to be vigilant and advocate for yourself if you're worried about something. And communicate and follow up. The the problems I've seen over the years are not necessarily a doctor not listening, but a doctor wanting to reassure a patient and say, it's probably not breast cancer. And then sometimes either they don't follow up or the patient doesn't follow up. Mm -hmm. So as long, even if you don't think it's breast cancer, that doesn't mean someone should walk away and not come back for six months if something's changing in their breast. Sure. And so um, either you work it up right away or you follow it clinically.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for your input. Um, and, and I'm really glad to hear that Macy's prognosis is, is looking excellent at this point.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you covering this too.
0: My thanks to Macy and Dr. Partridge for being generous with their time. If you like this episode and like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. I would really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week with a new episode that you can find on news10.com. I'll talk to you then.